Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. We had a great time yesterday and certainly had a great feast last night naturally, but I want us to feast today spiritually. Praise the Lord. The book of Samuel, 2 Samuel 1, in verse number 17, the Bible says, And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. Also he bade each, made each them teach the children of Judah to you, the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. And this is what David's lamentation was. He said, the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice and lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for there is the shield of the the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain and from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put on garments of gold, put garments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? What a prayer, what a lamentation, what a broken heart David approaches scripture with today. I want to preach to you for just a few moments this morning from this thought, anointed for the battle, anointed for the battle. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the honor that's been afforded me today to stand behind this desk and to preach to these precious people. And I pray, O oh God, that who would ever hear this word, let it be a word of encouragement, a swift word of strength, Lord. I pray that you will help us and anoint us together today 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. The word anointing, certainly in the ranks of the Pentecostal movement, is a very pivotal word because we search for the anointing of God in everything that we do. When I talk about the anointing of God, I'm not just talking about that good feeling, but the power of God that comes with his hand of approval. Because you can feel something, uh, something that stirs the heart of men in something that is not anointed of God. Amen. We need the anointing of the Lord, his spirit to be upon us. And so when we use the word anointing or anointed, that is very, very important in our minds at least. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? Amen. To be anointed of God, to be anointed in whatever it is that we do. The anointing is not the same thing as spit and speed, as some have confused that many times. But we need the anointing of God because the anointing of God is the power of God, the authority of God. The scripture mentions to us in the New Testament about a woman that had an issue of blood. And when she had spent all she had on physicians, the Bible says that she pressed her way through the crowd and she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ. And when that happened, the Bible says that the virtue, well, Jesus asked, who's touched me? And the disciples said, well, uh, there's many people that are touching you and how could we tell that any one person has touched you? But he said, I perceive that the anointing or the, the virtue, he said, has gone out of me. And that word virtue there is authority. And so what we're talking about when we're talking about the anointing of God today, we're talking about that virtue or that authority of God to speak. And I've often said that if, you, if someone really has the authority, then they don't have to really holler if you really are in control. Stop in the name of the law. Amen. To anyone who has any common sense, they realize that on the other end of that voice is not only just a command to stop, but the ability to stop you. Amen. And so we use that authority, or that authority is used in those ranks of our government to uh, gain control, keep control, and so we are thankful for the various areas of our lives where there is authority, and I'm thankful for the anointing of God or the authority of God that he has placed upon those that are filled with his spirit. Amen, we think about this particular story. Uh, we know a man by the name of Saul, and I'm gonna be talking about some very familiar things this morning, but when we read all of these scriptures. I've read those so that we could kind of get the setting of this passage. This is David's response, not only to the death of Saul, but also to the death of Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul, and Jonathan and David were very close, and they had made a covenant together. Jonathan understood the anointing that was on David's life. Jonathan had more insight to the future, it appears, than his own father because Jonathan realized that David was anointed king and that his father was running off course. And so before time, in the 20th chapter, uh, we find, or the 18th chapter of 1 Samuel, or the 20th, somewhere along in there, we find 
that, that Jonathan sat down and made a covenant with David. And he said, I want you to remember my house when you come into authority. I want you to show kindness to my household, which was really contrary to the, uh, the order of the day because when one king would take over, uh, one leadership or ruler would take over, then they would annihilate all of those that were descendants of the previous administration. And so Jonathan said, I want you to remember my my family, I want you to remember my children, my heritage. And so not only did David remember his children, but David also spared the life of his servants as well. And we find that when Mephibosheth was brought to the house of David. We find that because in the house of David was also one of the servants of Saul. And so David was so kind as to stand by his word. David's response now to uh, Jonathan and in Saul's death, David was not rejoicing in this moment of victory. This was a very sad demise to a long, long story told. He was mourning the loss of men that he had held in high regard. And that's why he said this. He said, don't tell this in the streets. Don't publish this around. It wasn't like he was gonna hide the death of Saul and Jonathan. I mean, that's gonna be on the front page of every uh, edition, every newspaper, so to speak, in the country. But he said, I don't want you to tell it. Don't you be talking about this. He said, because if you tell this, then the daughters of the Philistines, they're just gonna rejoice. And we don't wanna give them anything to rejoice about. I've often quoted this scripture and, and admonished people along the same lines. When you hear about somebody falling in sin, don't you be the talebearer of that. Amen, I, I'm basing that on this, this particular passage of scripture. Don't, don't you give the enemy something to rejoice about. We're not trying to pretend it didn't happen. We're not trying to throw it under the blood or we're not trying to uh, show favoritism, but, but David said, don't, don't let this be published. Lest this cause a party in the street and we be the catalyst for that party. And so he said, if this is gonna be told, then you let the enemies tell this. It's in this passage that we read about David some uh, two or three times mentioning the fact that how the mighty have fallen in the streets. This has been a terrible day in the life of David. This has been an, a day of great uncertainty, even though, even though he knew he was anointed to be the next king. This was not exactly how David wanted everything to play out. However, I want to focus today on verse 21, and I've certainly referenced this down through the years, but this is an important passage. He said, you mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away. And so he said, I don't even want any dew to fall on the grass that's in this field. I don't want any rain to fall on the grass that is in this field. I don't want anything pleasant to happen here because what you have to understand is that laying in that field is the shield of a mighty man. And then he makes this curious observation. He said, the shield is just vilely cast out as though he had not been anointed with oil. This is not how this should have happened. You see that shield laying over there? That should be the shield of a common man. That should be the shield of a common warrior in battle. 
It wouldn't be uncommon to see a shield or a sword or other pieces of warfare that would be left behind in a battlefield. But David pointed to one shield in particular and he said, now I wanna just essentially curse this ground. Don't let any dew or don't let any rain, don't let anything happen here because the shield that's laying there is the shield of a mighty man. And it was though, it was as though he had not been anointed with oil. David says the shield was just thrown down vilely like an ordinary shield. But David recognized this was not an ordinary shield and it was not held in the hand of an ordinary man. This was the shield of Saul. This was the shield of a man who had once been anointed with oil to lead God's people. I would imagine a lot of things went through David's mind when he saw that shield. And I'm not trying to embellish the story, but I think I'm safe in recounting the anointing of Saul. Because if you go back in scripture to that particular point, I know that we envision Saul on this side of the anointing. And if you can keep him on this side of the anointing and on this side of his failure, he's a very powerful man. If you can just freeze him somewhere in between. He was a very powerful man. The Bible said, uh, gives reference to the fact that he was a tall man, much taller than the average man seemingly a natural leader in all outward appearances. But if you can find Saul before the anointing, the scripture says that he was hiding behind the stuff. He was hiding behind his own inadequacies and he didn't see himself in this position. He didn't, uh, he didn't wake up with any pretentious airs about him. And then he meets Samuel, by the way. It is an interesting story that I never weary with reading of how he meets Samuel, by the way, and, and Samuel anoints him with oil. And then Samuel begins to tell him of some things that are going to happen to him. And so it would be very safe to say that these were words of prophecy. And the Bible says they're gonna happen to you this day. And so as an ordinary man, as I've often said, on an ordinary day, but the prophet Samuel said, you're gonna, you're gonna have something happen to you today. You're gonna have some experiences. You're gonna meet some people that's gonna be carrying some, they're gonna be carrying some lambs and some bread and when they come to you, they're gonna share what they have with you. And, and so, and sure enough, as you read the story, that's exactly how it happened. Then he said, you're also gonna meet another band of people that are gonna come to you and they're gonna be prophesying. And when they are prophesying to you, the spirit of prophecy is gonna come upon you. And you're gonna be, uh, that's pretty heavy words. If you, you know, I, we're all comfortable this morning because we're talking about this happening to somebody else. But if we were singled out and I had just one person standing before me today and, and I was saying this is what's gonna happen to you this day, that'd be a pretty heavy load to lay upon somebody. And the Bible says that as, as Saul turned to walk away, that he became a new man, another man, a different man. Something powerful had been released in him. The words of Saul, the prophetic words of God uttered through Saul were now coming to fruition in his life. And so he sees God is now leading him to a place. And so maybe it's those stories that David is recounting at this point 
Maybe David is just recounting how that God used this mighty man and, and how the townspeople were saying, well, isn't this just Saul? I mean, isn't this just the ordinary man Saul and that's coming to us prophesying? And maybe David remembers all of that and now just sees the shield so vilely, he said, cast away as though he had never been anointed with oil. He said it was just as though none of this ever happened. It seems like a common man's shield. We understand David referring to a Saul, a man that was literally anointed with oil. This was not just a, uh, not just a phrase or a, a, a figure of speech, but this was a man literally anointed with oil. However, there's another inference here, and it's something that, uh, that's interesting. And even Isaiah refers to it in his writings in Isaiah 21 and 5. Isaiah said, prepare the table, watch in the watchtower, eat, drink, arise, you princes, and anoint the shield, and anoint the shield. Isaiah was recording an all-important reminder that when we go into battle, we had best make sure that we have our shield anointed. We had best make sure that we have our lives anointed. Amen. I, I would say uh, again today to add to the long, long list of the times that I've said it from behind this very desk, we can ill afford to do anything we do without the anointing of God upon us. Amen. I pray the anointing of God. I would have no idea how many times through the years that I have literally taken anointing oil and I've walked up and down the aisles of this church and I've walked down both sides and anointed the ends of these pews and I prayed this prayer or a similar prayer. Lord, I have no idea who's gonna be sitting here. I have no idea what kind of needs are gonna be here on Wednesday or what kind of needs are gonna be here on Sunday. But I know one thing, God, if you'll just anoint this place, if you'll anoint this house, if you'll just show up, if you will be here, then everything will be all right. The Bible says that as they began to prepare the temple that the Lord gave, uh, he gave the recipe, if you please, for the anointing oil. So much cinnamon, so much cosia, so much of this, so much of that. And of the oil olive, he said, a hen. And he said, I want you to mix it together after the art of the apothecary. I want you to mix it together after the art of the pharmacist, it must be just right. And then when you get the oil, just right. When you get the anointing, just right. He said, now I want you to walk through the temple and I want you to anoint every vessel that's in the temple. Don't just anoint one thing, but we need everything anointed. We don't just need an anointed pulpit. God in heaven knows we need an anointed pulpit, but we don't just need an anointed pulpit. Amen, if we have only an anointed pulpit and yet carnal leaders behind that, then we are in trouble. So I say, Lord, don't just anoint this desk and those that stand behind it. But oh God, anoint the pen, anoint the keyboard, anoint every vessel that we're going to use because we make sure that we are going to be anointed because we understand that this is a battlefield, friend. This is not a game, amen. This is not a game. The devil is fighting and he's fighting for keeps. And so that's why the church cannot be lax. And that is why we cannot afford to rest. That's why we can't afford to stop or to try to coast. But I say we gotta lean in with everything that we have. 
We've got to give everything that we have. And so what, what we would say to Saul, if we could just crawl somehow mysteriously back in time, what we would say to Saul that day, knowing what we know now, that day that, that Saul felt the oil run down, that day that he met was met in the street and given those items that the prophet said he would be given. If we could stop Saul just shortly after he met the prophets and the spirit of prophecy came upon him, we would just give him this word of caution. Saul, just because you're anointed today does not mean you'll be anointed forever, sir. And so we must guard the anointing. We must guard the anointing and protect it with everything we have. And so what I would say this morning is just because you have the anointing upon your life today, please don't get arrogant about that. Please don't get lethargic about that. I gotta tend the fire. I gotta make sure that I, I'm thankful that I got the Holy Ghost as a young man, but I know I bear responsibility to keep the Holy Ghost. Amen, I'm glad that I died out. I'm glad that I repented of my sins. And I'm glad I was water baptized in his name for the removal or the remission of those sins. But I gotta make sure that every day I check the corners and the crevice of my heart and of my mind. Amen, a part of my prayer every morning is Lord, forgive me of my sins. Not just sins of deed, but forgive me of my sins of thought. Amen, not just my sin, but cleanse me of my iniquity so that when I stand before you and I lift my hands, they won't be bloody hands, but let them be holy hands. Amen, anoint these lips, oh God, so that when I speak, amen, they won't just be words. Amen, they just won't be a part of a vocabulary. But oh God, let them be holy lips that can speak your word. Why? There's a battle on the other side of that threshold and I've gotta make sure that the anointing of God is upon my life. I'm not just preaching about me today. I'm not just talking about me, but I'm talking about every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. I say, oh God, help us to realize I've gotta be anointed for the battle. And if you don't think there's a battle, friend, you need to get your head out of the cloud. Amen. You need to draw and snap yourself to attention because he's fishing for everything he has. He's reaching with all that he has. Saul, I know this feels good now. And I understand, Saul, that, that with all this going on in your life, you feel like it could never be any different. But I need to warn you, Saul. I need to warn you, Saul. Don't get lifted up. Don't get high. Don't get haughty. Amen. Don't forget that God, that God that set you here is the same God that can take you down. I say, oh, Lord, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to preach fear this morning, but I am trying to preach some sobriety and to our mind. Amen. I gotta be diligent about this thing. I gotta be careful about this thing. I want my relationship with God to be right. I must be anointed for the battle. Amen. In our text, Isaiah mourns the loss of a man that was a mentor, a man that had touched his life, a man that he had admired. But I, I suppose the real question is how did we get here? How is it that we're trying to wrap our minds around this vilely cast away shield in the field? How do we get to the place where David 
to the heavens says, I hope the dew won't even fall on this field. And I hope the rain won't even fall on this field because that's a mighty man's shield. It's as though the anointing was never there. If we look back just a few pages, we'll see that Israel, as they begin to cry for a king, just like other nations, we want to be like the other nations. We want to be just like them. And you know what? That desire has not left the hearts of men. God has always desired a separated church. God has always desired an anointed church. And sometimes our problem is that we are so busy looking over the fence. We're so busy longing for the leeks and the garlics of Egypt until we can't stay focused upon what God would have for us today. He said, we want a king just like every other king. The Lord said, I don't think that's what you want. I didn't call you to be that way. But after a while, they kept on and they kept on. You better, you better watch out what you keep on praying about because it might just come home. Amen. If we look at that, after a, after a while, even though it was against the will of God for Israel to be ruled in such a manner, God said, well, I'll give you a king. Amen. The man that God picked for the task was Saul, this man at the center of our story. Saul was a man that I mentioned was a natural leader of the tribe of Benjamin, anointed by Samuel to be their king. The time of his anointing, there was an equal balance between the humility and the authority that God had placed in his life. I want to say that again. I mean, if that moment I've been referring to this morning, if you could freeze that moment in time, you would find a balanced, you would find a balanced and equal amount of humility and authority at that moment. Amen. But soon after, Saul began this downward spiral. Amen. He started this spiritual regression away from the will of God. And there are many, many things that led to this failure. Amen. The, the Bible talks one of the most uh, things that we talk about, I suppose, the most when we think about Saul is that when the Lord had sent him to destroy the Amalekites, the Bible says that he saved Agag and, and, and when he was commanded to slay them. And it's very apparent from Scripture that Agag was not the only Amalekite that was spared. Amen? Because if you read the Scripture, amen, the Bible says that when Saul heard the bleeding of the sheep or Samuel heard the bleeding of the sheep and when he questioned Saul about all of this, then the scripture says that Samuel himself called for a sword and had Agag uh, hewn to pieces. But it's also apparent that that was not the last seed of the Amalekites because it was a young Amalekite boy that finally took the life of Saul. And so we know there was disobedience on the part of Saul when it came to destroying the, the Amalekites. Because of his rebellion, he offered sacrifices before Samuel arrived. And because of his hatred uh, for David and certain things, because he had murdered a company of priests, there were a lot of things that were going on in the life of Saul. He meant his bent, his natural bent, finally in the latter years of his life was more toward occultic things than it was pure spiritual things because he was, we find him, and I'll talk about this in a moment, consulting the witch of Endor for spiritual direction. Amen, because he neglected. Here's why we're here. Amen, here is why we're here. It's because he neglected the anointing that was upon his life. Amen, I, I know you know the story of Samson and the uh, Nazarite vow that he had taken. And for the lack of a better word, there was an anointing upon Samson. 
Samson, you, you can't do certain things. You can't cut your hair and you can't drink wine or strong drink and you can't touch any dead thing. And, and, and so Samson grew up in the home of this godly mother and father who had understood and especially the mother who herself was under the same vow. And so I do not think it's a stretch of the imagination to say that there were many, many mornings when Samson was walking out the door that his mother would remind him, now Samson, don't forget about the vow. Now Samson, don't forget that God has something upon your life. And don't forget that God has something special for you to do. Remember there were days he felt good about that anointing and he felt good about that calling. But after a while, we're not really sure where it started, but there was a seed of indifference. And, and maybe after a while when his mother said, now don't forget Samson, I know, I know the Nazarite vow. And all of a sudden one day, something that made him feel like such a part of the kingdom now was something that made him feel lonely and destitute and he said I'm going to search and find my pleasure somewhere else I'm reaching for somebody today I'm telling you that if we neglect the anointing of God that he has placed upon us amen it, it doesn't it's no guarantee it is no guarantee that he will keep that anointing upon our lives all the days of our lives I don't want to neglect that anointing David said see that shield over there, it's as though he had never been anointed with oil. Oh Lord, I pray that that is not my epitaph. I pray that is not your epitaph. I pray, oh Lord, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fit us for the battle. Can we clap our hands to the Lord in Jesus' name? <coughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> All of these factors led to a sure storm that was gathering in his life. You know, I, I realize in our day of technology and the ability to forecast storms, being in Florida, we understand the importance of warnings certainly now, but it's amazing to me how as they begin to forecast these storms, and they said, well, you know, that five-day projection in so many days, we plan on it being right here. And they said, now, you need to go around and pick up all the loose items in your yard. You need to get around everything buckled down. You need to get everything nailed down. And I just need somebody to help me now this morning. It, it's kind of hard to get motivated to do that when the birds are singing. And the sun's shining. I mean, we got so many other pressing issues, so many other things that we could be doing. And, and we think, you know, it's just, I, I don't know about all this, but there's somebody on the, on, the, on the other end of that broadcast that's saying, now listen, you gotta prepare yourself because there is an impending storm. I know that you can't feel it now. I know that you're just having to trust a stranger now. I know that I'm just a voice or just a, a, a broadcast image. I realize that, 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 that you can't feel the winds and the clouds are not blown in, but I'm telling you, you better protect anything of value. Amen, those that are in the direct path of the storm, they said you better get out of your house. 
house. You better leave everything behind because there's something coming that can destroy. And what happens many times, people say, oh, I'm not gonna believe that. Oh, there's nothing to it. Well, they missed it the last time and they said that was gonna happen before and it never happened. But I'm telling you today, in the name of Jesus, amen, let the forecast go forth. There's a battle, amen. This is a spiritual battleground. And I say, Lord God, help us. As Brother Everett Bird said last Sunday, oh God, it's Samson woke up and he said, I'll do what I've done before. I'll just shake myself as I have at times in the past. And when I do, God, he'll be there. He's obligated to be there. Oh no, oh no, he said. I now sense that God is gone and I didn't even know anything about it. Oh, David said, Lord, enlighten mine eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. I reach today, I reach to cross this pulpit. Oh, I say, God, help us to realize the value of being anointed for the battle. Amen, your song, your song won't matter. Your song will not intimidate the devil if it's not anointed. Your sermon will not shake hell if it is not anointed of God. Amen, let me be specific, anointed of God. I've said this and I hope you understand what I mean when I say this. But I have been in places where I felt more of anointing from the congregation than I did from God. Amen. And then I've also been in situations where I felt more anointed of God than I was of the congregation. Amen. God had given a message and there's that spirit of resistance and, and so there was an anointing of God but there was not an anointing of the congregation. But oh, blessed are those times when we can be anointed of God. Amen. Not only anointed of God to speak but anointed of God in the congregation to receive that word. And so I say, Lord, help us to realize the storms, the storms. Amen. I say many, many times about certain things like unity. You know, we can talk about unity, a church being unified. That's a wonderful thing. And I think we have a lot of unity in our church. But just because we do, don't rest. Just because we do, don't set down your sword. Amen. Because you know what? The devil, he's just waiting for an opportunity to sow seed of discord and so just because you have it in your possession today doesn't mean that we'll possess it five years from today unless we are diligent, unless we are careful amen, I say God help us I thank you for the anointing that's in this house, amen, I thank you for the power that's in this house but I don't want to assume that you're obligated to show up I say Lord thank you for your anointing God thank you for coming by here Amen, thank you for being here. I don't ever wanna get to the place that I'm so pompous and arrogant that we think we can do this without God. We can't do it, we can't do it without God. Amen, Israel, because of their spiritual decay, the Philistines were looking across the borders to take advantage of them. Amen, and so... He said, I, I see some weakness here. I believe we can take this. I see Saul spiraling out of control. Amen, don't think the enemy don't know what's going on. Amen, they were eminently aware. Eminently aware of the disgruntled and the angst between David and Saul. 
Him and they said, I believe we're getting this thing down on the middle shelf where we can handle this. Amen, Samuel, Samuel, the voice of God for the man Saul has now died. Amen, and his longing to talk with God. Amen, his longing to touch things spiritual. The Bible says that he consulted the witch of Endor. Such a deep desire in the heart of Saul to one more time hear the voice of Samuel. He finally petitions a witch in hopes that she can bring that old prophet back. Just say one more time. Say one more time. Saul was seeking counsel in the fact that he was seeking such counsel. Amen. Such a voice gives strong indication to where he was spiritually. Because you see, when men start losing their faith in God, they start looking for a substitute voice. Amen. That they can convey some thought, some action, some purpose, some direction. The spiritual direction of Saul's life had now caused him to seek after the very thing that had been forever banished from his life. I, I don't want to wait till the well runs dry. Amen. And you, 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 there's a lot of truth to those old sayings, those old adages. You don't miss the well to water till the well runs dry. And that's true. You don't miss the electric till the power goes out. One night this week, all of us in this area had to do without internet for a night. We actually had to fellowship in our house. We had to talk. <laughs> so, wife looked up and said, who are you? Who are <laughs> how, long, how long you been sitting in that chair? And just panic when those things are gone. They, they're out. It's, in an instant of time, it's all taken away. And here is, here is Saul wanting to feel God, wanting to hear his voice, wanting to feel the anointing, and he can't find God anywhere. And he crawls to the threshold of the witch's house, and he said, if you just somehow summons for me, I want to hear that voice one more time. I want to hear that voice one more time. Abused mercy, slighted privileges of God, Amen. Those will be the things that we desire the most. Yet those will be the things seemingly most unavailable. It's extremely important that we protect the voice of God that speaks individually to each man. I don't want to despise the voice of reason in my life. Amen. At some point in most, I'll say this before all of our children come in, but at some point in most all children's lives, they reach that grand intersection where they feel like their parents are completely numbskulls. Right? I mean, they just feel sorry for us. They, they're, they're just kind of mystified that we made it this far in life without them. Whatever we say embarrasses them. Whatever we do embarrasses them. Ever how we dress embarrasses them. Just everything's just one big, huge embarrassment. But you just let that clock keep ticking. And you let that calendar keep folding. And after a while, you're going to realize that there wasn't as much folly in those words as we once assumed. Amen. There are times, and especially for those that have lost our parents and grandparents, that we just long, long for just one more conversation. Just, just to hear that Maybe that same thing that used to annoy us. That's the condition of Saul. That's where he is at today. 
if you could just somehow get him back, if I could just hear it one more time, one more time. Amen, why don't we stand together? Amen. The man who grieved him the most was the one that was willing to do anything he could do to get that voice back one more time. Amen. A guilty conscience is one that fills the soul with dread. Dread. Our conscience seemingly begins to speak in whispers, but then in time it just begins to scream. Amen. Oh, God, help us. God, help us. I can't imagine, I suppose, that we are equally as mystified by Saul standing at the witch of Endor's home as David was standing in the field and see that sword, that shield, so vilely cast away as though he were never anointed with oil. God, what a sad, what a sad thing to see people. What a sad thing to meet people that have laid down the anointing of God. They abolished the anointing of God in their lives. And they're walking around, amen, and you see them and you remember and you know what a sad thing, what a sad thing. If you think I'm speaking out of arrogance, you are so, so sadly mistaken. Amen, I've met men and women that have had great, huge impacts in my life and upon our ministry collectively. Somewhere down the road, for whatever reasons, perhaps some of them reasons unknown to me, they decided to turn left when they should have kept walking straight. And you see them today, just a shell of what they used to be. Amen. David, that's what he was thinking. Brother Polk, he said, you see that shield in that field as though it were just vilely cast away. He said, I curse the heavens. I curse this field. Don't let dew rain or rain come down because that's the shield of a mighty man, a man, but it's as though he had never been anointed. I say, Lord, help us today. I pray we'd just slip our hands up. Would you do that? And let God touch us now. Lord, let God touch us now. I know the wind's not blowing right now. I realize that the clouds are not hanging low today. I realize, I realize that it seems a little premature to be gathering up the loose items around our life. But there's a command. There's a command that's coming forth that says we need to be anointed. 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 Oh God, in your name. In your name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.